Hey gang, before the podcast begins, a quick programming note. This indeed is the final episode of Turn It On. I want to say thanks for listening over the past three years as we've talked to some of the biggest names in the business, from Jennifer Lopez and Claire Danes to Henry Winkler and Seth Meyers. Please be sure to find me over at kcrw.com, where I host the weekly segment Screen Grab about the TV industry. And also, please do subscribe to my favorite episode, my brand new podcast for Variety, in which I grill celebrities and top producers about their favorite episodes of TV ever. But now, and for the last time, from IndieWire, the voice of creative independence, I'm Michael Schneider. When we pitched this show to HBO, one of the things I said was, I want it to be a little bit like a comedy Breaking Bad, meaning you start and it's Walter White. And I'm not saying I'm gonna become Heisenberg, but I love shows that just show the slow gas right. leak of ego and and pride and, and, and some hurt and all these things that change a person over time. Yeah. Because I look back at me when I was 28, I think about him now, he seems like a different person. So we wanna show that fundamentally yeah. same person, but also, I'm a grown-up now. Pete Holmes is back as Pete Holmes in season three of HBO's Crashing. It's time to turn it on. I want to know what's hot and new on TV. Is there anyone out there that can help me? Come on and take a little trip as we talk a little bit about TV. Come on and turn it on. With your host, Michael Schneider. Welcome back to Turn It On, the Dewar's weekly dive into what's new and what's now in TV. This episode, we talked to crashing executive producer and star Pete Holmes. Stay close. At the end of season two of HBO's Crashing, fictional Pete Holmes discovers a darker side of his personality while doing a roast battle with his girlfriend. It freaks him out so much, as a matter of fact, that he breaks up with her and questions his very persona. Now, as season three opens, Pete continues to evolve both as a person and as a stand-up. The show follows Pete as his character starts to taste some success and experiences the ego that comes with that. This season also touches on some timely issues, such as misogyny and comedy, and leads to a big moment for Pete in the season finale. Good to see you, Peter. What's up? What's going on? Well, I got some news. John Mulaney asked for you by name. John Mulaney. John Mulaney. It's amazing. You're ready for this. This is your moment. John Mulaney. Hi. Good to see you. Who are you? What the f is that jacket? I'm trying something new. It's G-Star. You're neither a G nor a star. That guy's got little dick energy. That's what I say. We sat down with Pete Holmes at the Austin ATX TV Festival last June. For information on how to attend this year's festival, June 6 to 9, 2019, please visit atxfestival.com. And to hear more from the festival, subscribe to the TV Campfire wherever you get your podcasts or visit atvxp.com to hear and watch more panels, Q&As, and conversations from ATX. But now, here's my chat with Pete. So Pete, how, uh, how are we doing on season three? Uh, where, where do we stand? <clears throat> I have so many stains on my pants, I just want you to know. <laughs> Look at that. What is that? I Not that way. These are all drinks. Just drinks and... They're oil. just travel pants. Oil. Yeah. How do you get oil out? I, 
nobody knows. No, you don't. We're we're currently shooting uh, season three. We're we just finished um, the first block, which means we've done two episodes, and which means we're a fourth done. Cause yeah. We, we do short seasons or short-ish seasons, meaning it's eight episodes. Yeah. So every episode really counts on our show. We think very hard about what we want to do with those eight. And we've just finished two, which is crazy, which means we're a fourth of the way through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I really, it's really the name of the game is trying to slow it down and enjoy it and not look at it as like a task that you just have to complete or finish the day or finish the shot. I really try very deliberately to like slow it down this is special. The crew and the cast and the writers, it's all very special. Yeah. It's like being in summer camp, except you're making a TV show, so it's like an incredible summer camp, and you're trying to enjoy every moment of it, which, yeah. I, which I'm happy to say I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, since it's, it is only eight episodes, are you able to break all those stories? Are they all completely written before you start filming? Or That's a good question. We, we do all of them except the finale. We yeah. leave the finale to write while we're shooting. Um, and then, you know, to be honest, a lot of it, like, we're kind of tweaking, as you might imagine, as we're going. Yeah. I'll give you an example from the second season. In the second season, there's a breakup. I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't <laughs> binged it well, yet. it's the season finale. It's so. the season finale of the second season. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and there's a breakup. And honestly, we were like, well, who breaks up with who? We didn't even know. We knew there was a breakup. But we, like, between shots, we went out to dinner. And we like rewrote scenes and like changed things based on what we had shot, because that's what it's like working with um, Judd Apatow, who's the EP on the show. Yeah, is that everything's alive until it's shot, and and even after you shoot it, sometimes you edit it or add more, you know, you do ADR or stuff like that to keep it alive. It's 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 really a process of adding and adding and adding until it's finally sort of abandoned and put on TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Judd because uh, I uh, I showed my wife uh, crashing and, uh-huh. uh, you know, so we binged it and the first thing she said after watching, like, the first two episodes is like, is Judd Apatow involved with this? You know, she hadn't seen the credits. Oh, that's sort of, so fun. Like, for you know, there is a Judd sort of sensibility, yeah. I suppose. I, I can't put my finger on it, but yeah. you can just kind of sense it. You totally can. And I, I, I sort of can sense it now, too. And that's really the great privilege of doing a third season is we're getting better at imitating Judd. <laughs> it's not that we're, like, trying to rip him off. Actually, we kind of are. We're Which trying to rip off his thoughts because otherwise we have to call him and bother him. Not a bad guy to rip off. <laughs> so. Exactly. Well, I would have been doing it anyway. Yeah. Be, or trying and failing. Yeah, but you legally can. Now we legally can. And now what? Jed's a very hands-on producer, so like before big scenes I call him and he'll direct. We shoot video. Now that you have like, you can stream things and different apps that do that. You can show him takes while we're shooting them and... Obviously, we have directors and writers and stuff, but he also will interject in real time yeah. from L.A. Oh, that's interesting. Which is yeah. really cool. So, like, in the second uh, season with the big episode with Artie, it was a very heavy episode, and yeah. we're having this sort of fight. Um, Judd really wanted to make sure we got that right, so he would be watching from 3,000 miles away, but giving us feedback in real time, which was super cool. But I, I really, when I came up with the idea for the show, I was like, when I pitched it to Judd, because that's what I did. I don't, I don't really know what you're supposed to do, but I went to the guy that I wanted to produce and direct it. Um, I was privileged that I had met him once or twice, so I flew to the set of Trainwreck. He was shooting Trainwreck, yeah. and they told me that I had 15 minutes with him. Very classic like Hollywood story. And one of the things I said was, I'm not, I'm not pitching this to you because like, you can make it happen, because he is a you know, powerful producer, 
but I'm pitching it to you because this is like your kind of story. Yeah. Like it has notes of, what is it, a wine? It has notes of uh, Burgundy and 40-year-old virgin. Yeah. My character is sort of, I'm not 40 and I'm not a virgin, but I'm very inexperienced. Right, right. Very innocent. Very yeah. innocent, sweet guy. Judd likes stories like that. Yeah. Getting thrown into the big bad world. Yeah. And then it's got a little bit of uh, knocked up in there, too. It's not a pregnancy. It's your wife leaving. Right. But it's that disruptive sort of unexpected, uh, I, I don't want to say calamity, but because a pregnancy isn't a calamity, but it's a large disrupting moment. Yeah. And so I didn't say that to him in the pitch. I don't know if he would have even liked that, but I kind of had it in my back pocket. Like, I'm just going to tell you what the story is, and you're Judd Apatow. I'll let you infer or figure out the Judd Apatow-ness of this idea. Right, right. And now, it's funny, the Judd Apatow, I don't know if anybody listening, this will be useful. So often, what Judd does is, we'll say, let's say we're, we have a scene where Pete does a podcast. Me and Mike are doing a podcast. And, um, and Pete's really bumbling. And he's nervous, because he's a new comedian. And Judd is so good, he goes, like, maybe he's great. Like, he always just takes yeah. it and goes, like, consider the opposite. Yeah. Like, Maybe uh, you don't hate the guy that's having sex with your wife. You love the guy. Right. He, he's very good at those picking those moments to do something unexpected. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely something I've learned from his movies and from working with him. Yeah, and that's how the I think the viewer also sticks with Pete, for example. It's it's like you know he's he's still learning to be a stand-up, and, yeah. but he's getting better. And there are times where he has victories. Right. And and then times that he falls on his face. Exactly. But that's sort of the process. That is the process and I've never it's always been a montage. What happened what's happening on our show is usually a montage or right. it happened off camera. Yeah. It's the fumbling. It's I always joke that it's called crashing not flourishing because it's about the stumbling and the tripping and the falling. Although I will say season 3 Judd has a good nose for like okay, we can't just keep kicking your character in the crotch over and over. Eventually, you're going to have to get better. So season three, I'm happy to say my character's sort of figuring it out in certain ways. But then obviously, just like life, there's like 50,000 new things that you have to figure out how to do. Like what kind of good comedian are you going to be or, or, or what kind of person are you going to be as you become successful? Yeah, well, that's what the, you know, spoiler alert, the breakup is, is sort of all about. Yeah. Is, is when Ali tells Pete, like, who are you? Like, you don't know who That's you right. are. That's right. As a comedian and as a person. Yeah. And and he doesn't have an answer. That's why I hope our show is relatable to people, even if they're not directly interested in stand-up comedy. Because a comedian, a good comedian, is just trying to figure out who they are. And that's true of anybody. Whether you're a pastry chef or a teacher or a mom, it doesn't matter. Everybody on this earth is trying to kind of excavate who they are not everybody, but I think they should be. I think they should be trying to figure out who am I in there? Not just what did people tell me to be, what does society tell me to be, but who am I really? And then when a comedian's doing that on a show, again, even if you're not pursuing stand-up, you're going, oh, this guy doesn't know who he is. Just like maybe, uh, now I'm being a viewer, me, when I was in my 20s, I didn't know who I was. And you're sort of rooting for them to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And kind of wake up and go like, you're not, you're not a baby and you're not a bad person. You're somewhere in between. You know what I mean? And that's kind of growing up. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was also interesting about that that final episode is, I mean, it's cringe-tastic, by the way. It's, it's <laughs> I'm just honored you watched it. I, I, I'm, I'm touched. A lot of interviews you can tell. I've done interviews yeah. where I'm doing it and I didn't watch it. Yeah. And you can just feel it. So I'm glad that so you comedy, saw it. So huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, they read my Wikipedia page. Right, right. Well, it's... it's 
you know, it's cringe-tastic because yeah. uh, you know the the, ba- the the comedy battles. Uh, what, what do you call it? It's like oh, a roast battle. Roast yeah. battle. Yeah. It's uh, you know, again, we're expecting Pete to just be awful. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and at first he, he kind of is. Right. But then but then he kind of gets it. Yeah. And he actually ends up being pretty good. And then he roasts and, his and girlfriend. So, yeah. <laughs> Which again, he, he ends up being great. Right. And for a second, you're That's like, Jed. "Oh, we're ending like, on like a positive note. Like he yeah, kicked yeah. ass. Yeah. She's gonna love it. They're gonna yeah. go off and like be happy." And, right. And but, then he can't handle and it. He, like, and he's like, and part of me is like, he screwed it up. But then yeah. part of me is like, well, yeah, I guess that's not really who fictional Pete Holmes is. I I love that you're having the experience that we really hoped for when we watched it too. I'd like to think that when we wrote it, we had that intention, and maybe it was in there, but certainly when we were editing it and shooting it, we were like, Pete breaks up with his girlfriend after the roast, I think, because he doesn't like who he was. Right. He doesn't, you know, I'm a a bit of a people pleaser. It's important that people like me. So it's really hard, based on real life, if I roast somebody, and I love roasting. It's like, I don't want to say it's a secret talent, but if it's a talent, it's a secret because I don't like doing it. But I, I am good at it. Yeah, yeah. So there have been times when I roast somebody and then, like, I really do apologize or, like, want to reach out. People have to tell me, like, what are you doing? You're being yeah. weird. Like my favorite like, is when you're, like, asked for the email. The guy's the guy email. You just beat. <laughs> That's such a real thing. Yeah. There are people that I still feel like I owe an apology just because we roast one another. So it's not just that uh, Allie, my girlfriend, roasted me and said mean things. It was more that she brought that out of right. him. You ever like get a glimpse of who you are and you don't like it? Yeah. Like I was yeah. recently on the subway in New York and there was this guy next to me. It was crowded train so he sat right next to me and he was like dancing and it was just like a 14 hour day. I was so tired so I just gave him a little like I was hoping he wouldn't notice but a nudge with my knee like to be like hey you're sitting right next to me. Right. I mean we were so close. He was moving. I was dancing yeah. because he was dancing yeah. and I just gave him the slightest push and then he took his earphones off and he was like, did you just push me? <laughs> and like, as soon as he caught me, I felt terrible that a man filled with joy was dancing and I was the grumpy guy on the train <laughs> that was like, cut it out. And then you, that's one of those moments in real life where someone points out like, hey, you're grumpy and you're a jerk sometimes and you, and you don't always feel like dancing sometimes. <laughs> so that's what happens on the show right. is you get like a reminder that there's darkness and Pete wants so badly to be sweet all the time, so she really freaked him out. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about Artie. Yeah, yeah. Um, now is he back in season three? He is, and I can confirm that. I mean, the joke that we make is like pending availability because right. there's always like legal troubles, and obviously that's not a joke. But you kind of have to make light of it. Yeah. You have to be like, Artie's in the script. We're waiting on like a, a ruling, basically, yeah. and we were, but he was put on parole, I believe. Um, he has been in the show. It's in the can. He's, he's shot. So I can say that Artie showed up for the part of Artie yeah. <laughs> in season uh, three. So we will see more Artie. I mean, yes. that's obviously been such a fascinating part of, of this show is having yeah. him uh, on so much and, and playing, you know, obviously. Almost much, him in real time. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, 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 the tragedy that yeah. of, of Artie. And, and, and I've been curious on, on how that's maybe and, and when you talk to him, how therapeutic that is. Has this actually helped him in coming on and, and playing this? It's funny because I asked him the same thing. It's so funny. So there's this loop of this video behind you where these three girls are screaming at the train uh-huh. for the show called The Bold Type that I keep seeing over your shoulder. 
It's literally on a loop, a new show. Yeah. And they scream at the train, and I'm like, we do that on our show. Pete screams at the train in episode four of season two. It doesn't matter. Apparently, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Back you, to what you, you were and, saying. And a teenage uh, <laughs> drama. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, very similar shows. Right. The bold, whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, I asked Artie the same thing. First of all, we wanted to do a show that addressed his addiction because it was getting to the point where we were like, let's just not address it. Let's just have Artie sort of not have it be a thing on the show. And then it became such a public thing during the show that Judd sort of brilliantly was like, let's ask Artie if he's open to doing this. Artie being Artie, of course he is. He's very open about everything in his life. Yeah. Literally is an open book. I mean, he writes books about this stuff. And then when we were shooting it, I said to him, I was like, you know, this show has helped me have perspective on my divorce. It's very different than a drug addiction, but it's pain, you know, it's a yeah. type of suffering. And I was like, in reenacting it and specifically writing it, writing the side of my wife, my ex-wife, directing, you know, giving, feeding lines to the woman playing my ex-wife, yeah. reenacting it, but knowing it's not real, helped me gain perspective. Yeah. I was like, this is almost like a, a type of therapy. Yeah. So I said to him, I was like, is that how you feel? And, and he definitely agreed with that. He was like, it helps him. He said it helped him understand how people feel about him and, and what, it's, what it looks like when he's doing what he does sometimes when he's low. Yeah. Which, is, which, which was interesting. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound too self-important, like we're really helping Artie, but he did, he did mention that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I also think it, it, it kind of gave me a new perspective on him, too. There, yeah. There's you know, that this sort of soft, sensitive side of, of yeah. him taking Pete under his wings yeah. as well. That well, that, that was, well, the first episode, one of the big reasons we got picked up, I think, was because it was Artie. Yeah. And he did such a great job. And that was a big, uh, obviously, I wanted him too, but it was a discussion that Judd and I had. We were like, are we going to do this? The pilot at one point was Zach Galifianakis, then it was Hannibal Burris. Um, it might have been Mulaney at one point, all these kind of people that I know and yeah. am friends with. And then I met Artie at the audition, and Judd was like, well, that's like the ghost of comedy future. He's like warning Pete that it's a rocky road ahead. Like there's pitfalls and there's things he's got to look out for. So having him on the show and showing, I want to show unlikely people having that loving soft side, which is my experience. Yeah. Like Artie really is a very, very, very sweet, and I hope you wouldn't mind me saying he's a sensitive guy. I don't. That doesn't mean he's a baby. I've never seen him be like upset that someone made a joke about him or anything. Right. I just mean he's he's got an open heart. And uh, there's some joke there. Uh, <laughs> somebody make your own open heart exactly. joke there. Um, but so it, I love and Judd loves showing unlikely love from. It's not it's not a surprise if my character, especially the way we show my character on the show doing something nice, getting a kitten out of a tree or something. That's almost like a cliche at this point. We say that my character like Big Bird on Sesame Street. It's like, what if Big Bird went to a strip club and then we write the scene? But with Artie, it's like, well, what if Artie's the one that lets Pete in? And what if Artie's the one that makes sure he gets work and stuff? That feels true to me. Yeah. A lot of like, I say this with love, but the scumbag kind of guys, they're not scumbags, but you know, they kind of joke like they are. Yeah. Aren't that way at all. Right. And that's unexpected and fun. Well, so fictional Pete Holmes, is he moving? FPH. <laughs> is, he, is he gravitating closer to real Pete Holmes? Is that sort of the journey we're seeing? Yeah. Him on, or? The third season so far, um, I'm putting less of an affectation on myself. It's still there, 
Um, and the affectation is, is mild. It's just like trying to be lighter, younger, little less experienced. But now, as we go, you start to um, infuse in new things like ego. Like, what if I had an ego? What if I felt like I know how certain things work? Like, I feel like the beginning of the third season, I know how the college circuit works. Right, Like, right. I'm just getting back from a college oh, tour. I learned about that whole NACA. Yeah, 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 NACA. Yeah, I'd, I've never even heard of NACA, so wild. education. The, the Avid Brothers, you know the band The Avid Brothers? Uh -huh. They just did my podcast in, yesterday, actually. It'll be out in a while. And um, they were telling me that they did NACA. Yeah. And they were like, we were flipping out watching that episode because nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows this sort of weird talent auction that goes on for college kids. So season three starts when Pete's already done that tour and it's a fun new energy to play with that he has a bit of an ego. You've never seen, you've seen Pete secretly have an ego yeah. when his friend gets the TV show and he doesn't. Um, the roast battle hurts his ego and shows a little bit of this weird dark strength that he has. Season three, he kind of comes back and thinks he's hot shit. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's, I don't think when you watch it, it'll make you think of it. But I always love the second season of Extras, if you watch Extras. Yeah, yeah. When he's, he's an extra right, in the second he actually, season, he thinks he's hot shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like such a funny season to me. So I, we could never do it that way because Ricky Gervais is a, just a different talent. And I couldn't do what he does, and I do a different thing than he does. But like, it's, it's in a good way reminding me of the second season of Extras, where I come back and I kind of think I've made it. Yeah. And you can play with that energy, and, and we're showing a, a different side of the character, which yeah. is super fun. Because Jed was very clear about it. He was like, we can't, you just can't. Not that we wanted to. He was like, you can't have a third season of Pete being like, gee shucks, and like, whoops, I stepped in like another opportunity, or right. like another celebrity wants me to stay with them. You have to like switch up the gear, because that, that'll get old. Somebody, I think, in the, in the, if it stays in the cut, calls me a whiny bitch in the first episode of yeah. the third season. So, I mean, like, that's almost like a response. It's not a criticism we get, but people do notice that, like, my character is so guileless and, and sweet that we want to give it more to work with yeah. and evolve the character. Yeah. I just walked past Vince Gilligan in the hallway the Breaking Bad. Yeah. Maybe you were talking to just him. Just talked to him, yeah. There you yeah. go. So I walked past him. That's why he looked so happy. And I was walking past him because he had just talked to you. It was a compliment. <laughs> anyway, I just walked past him and I was like, when we pitched this show to Breaking, uh, to Breaking Bad, to HBO, one of the things I said was I wanted to be a little bit like a comedy Breaking Bad, meaning you start and it's Walter White. And I'm not saying I'm going to become Heisenberg, but I love shows that just show the slow gas right. leak of ego and and pride and, and, and some hurt and all these things that change a person over time. Yeah. Because I look back at me when I was 28, uh, which is basically, on the show I'm 33, but I'm basically playing myself when I was 28. Very confusing. I think about him now. He seems like a different person. So we want to show that fundamentally yeah. same person but also, I'm a grown-up now. Although I do like the idea of comedy Heisenberg. Like yeah, in, right? in season five, you murder John Mulaney. <laughs> you know what that would be? It would be I steal one of his bits or something. Yeah, yeah. And get some opportunity from it. Exactly. Because that is like, that's our highest crime is stealing a joke. Right, right. That's how you murder somebody. Oh, that, well, that, then, then put a hit out on me. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. No, that'd be great. I, I hope Mulaney will come back for season <laughs> three, too. That's the plan. Well, that's it's been fun seeing all these comedians show up, too. I mean, it's... It's, it's how I see my friends now. Yeah. It's, it's not like I'm so, so busy, but it's like for four months when we're shooting, 
It's like this way when I had a talk show. It's like you'd, you'd book them on the talk show. Now I, I'll call Mulaney and be like, you know, Judd and I really want you to come back. And, and that's how we'll get to hang out for literally four days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a good way to stay in touch with your friend. Exactly. What get, a dream. I get paid at the same time. And make a show. What yeah. a dream. It's insane. No, that's fantastic. Now, I assume you get this question a lot. Did you watch Mrs. Maisel? I watched the pilot. So... When I saw the pilot, it kind of like threw me because I'm like, there's some similarities yeah, for to sure. crashing the whole like you know destruction yeah. of the marriage and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the you know, try and stand up yeah I it seems so I'm not just saying this to be a good sport or anything I thought it was great and obviously I noticed the similarities but the reason why we see stories like that is because there's there's just archetypal things a divorce is just like it's an archetypal thing stand up is a great way to show. It's like therapy. I'm sure at some point there were a lot of shows like The Sopranos that showed inner world through therapy. And now we have stand-up as more a part of the cultural conversation, so you see more of that. So it was so stylistically different and directed so well, and, and, and she's amazing, that, you know, I think maybe somebody even were like, you should watch it because it's similar to Crashing. And I watched it, and five seconds in, I was just enjoying the show. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I feel like, I mean, <laughs> there's got to be shows... When I'm pitching the show about a wife leaving, it flashes in your brain how many movies there are. It's called The Inciting Incident. You know, it's what sets right. the... It's Skywalker's parent, uh, aunt and uncle getting killed. There's yeah, so many there's, times it's a wife cheating. Yeah, yeah. So I, we all have to go like... This is a big thing in stand-up, too. A lot of people will go like, hey, they stole that from us. The way that it works... Isn't that? No, I know you weren't implying that, but right, you're just right. like, no, it's it's like it's the, not how it works. There, there's how many shows have we seen where right. someone comes to town and sleeps with a stranger, and then they show up at their new job the next That's day. That's right. Oh, my boss. Which also happens yeah. in old school. Yeah. You just reference old school, which the inciting incident of old school is an affair. Yeah. So his wife cheats, and then later he has sex with a girl, and then that's his boss's daughter. These are tropes that we're going to see over and over again, because really what we're getting at underneath the plot is, this is going to sound very heady or self-important, is the feeling. And, and it doesn't really matter what's going on as much as we're getting at those feelings. And I think that show gets at those feelings, different feelings, and in a different way, even though similar plot points might be the same. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, sort of, you know, the, the state of stand-up kind of question, is now that we see, you know, the, the growth of all these specials on streaming services, yeah. Netflix, YouTube. It's freaking me out. Is, <laughs> do, do, do you think that's helping, like, you know, sort of expand the audience for stand-up? I think or, so. Or? You know, there's two schools of thought, I suppose, living in my brain. Yeah. I'm talking about just me. I have two feelings about yeah. it. One is that it's really good for stand-up, and then one where you're sort of like, I hope this doesn't burn us out on stand-up. I forget who said it, but they're like, specials aren't special um, anymore because yeah. there's too many of them. I guess you could say that, but at the same time, I'm more of the feeling that like, stand-up is just the most direct way to quickly produce content, comedy, especially in a world that's always changing. Look at Chappelle putting out the second special, and he addresses Me Too and all these things that had just happened. Yeah. Well, if you want to make a TV show about that, we'll see it in a year. Right. You know what I'm saying? So stand-up might be more relevant because there's things that we want to talk about and we want to talk about them now. And the appetite is so big for entertainment now that you need something as minimal as stand-up to fill that need. So I'm not too worried about there being another, for those maybe people who are too young, but you know, this happened in the 80s. Yeah. But that was a live stand-up boom, basically. Yeah. Now we're seeing like a televised stand-up boom. And honestly, 
I'm just kind of enjoying it while it lasts, but I'm also not too worried about it going away because there's so many platforms, there's so much need for content, and stand-up at the end of the day is a pretty low-cost way to get something that makes you laugh as much as a movie that costs millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. It's a different feel, but like, I just watched Chappelle's uh, The Bird Revelation. I was laughing as hard as I laughed at, you know, Dumb and Dumber. And Dumb and Dumber cost, what, 40? Uh, I don't know. A few, but a few extra bucks. A lot yeah. of million. Yeah. Chappelle did too, I'm sure. But yeah. like, I love that there's something, as, as advanced as we're getting and as much like technology and special effects and VR or whatever it is, we're still mammals. We still like someone standing up in front of us and assuming that position, telling us their thoughts. And that's that's fundamentally what art is underneath all the fancy stuff anyway. Yeah. So I, I feel like it, it's it's going to stick around, and I say that with some humility, because maybe this will be played in some documentary about how stand-up <laughs> went away. And I'd well, like to say I, I saw that coming, too. I'm just well, I think your show is a good primer for anyone who wants to get into stand-up anyway on, on the struggle yeah. of you know, yeah. passing out the flyers on the side of the street. That's and, right. And it's not something for nothing. You, you do pay for it, but hopefully crashing is about it's beautiful even while you're paying for it. So even while you're suffering in the in the trenches of stand-up or whatever you're pursuing, remember to enjoy it because it doesn't last forever, and uh, and you'll look back on those days for the rest of your life yeah. and be like, remember when I did that? And if you're lucky like me, you get to make a show about it. Yeah, yeah, for the love. <laughs> so uh, yeah. when will we see season three? Do we uh, sort of have a time? Robbie, do we know when it's out? We're shooting now. So if it's like the last time, February or something, but. Don't quote me on that. Exactly. Yeah, All yeah. right. Well, we'll look forward to season three. I so. know recording me is quoting me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is off the record yeah, except yeah. for everyone. Off who the record. I whisper podcast. into this microphone. Yeah. What a pleasure talking to you, Mike. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. My pleasure. Great talking to you. And that's it for this edition of Turn It On. Join us again next week, and be sure to subscribe to Turn It On on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. Also, head on over to IndieWire.com for your daily fix of TV news, analysis, and reviews. And while there, sign up for our daily TV newsletter. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll turn it on again next time. Turn it on.